Welcome to Girl, Get a Real Job, a podcast series by Women of the Wick, a platform amplifying the visibility, voices and work of women, trans and non-binary creatives. I'm your host, Sara Karpanen, a multimedia artist, writer and the founder of Women of the Wick. Girl, Get a Real Job is a space where we normalize money and business talk as artists and creative practitioners. To continue the conversation, please find us on social media at Women of the Week and Girl Get a Real Job. Now, let's start talking about the real worth of our creative work. Welcome to Girl Get a Real Job podcast. I'm your host, Sara Karbanen, an artist and the founder of Women of the Week platform. On this week's episode, I have the pleasure to sit down with Alice Gap, a lettering designer based in East London. I am so happy and excited to share this space with you today. And as I've told you, it's been my dream to chat with you about creative work since I started Girl Get a Real Job. <laughs> no, seriously. <laughs> um, so anyway, I just want to uh, jump straight into the topic. What is it that you do? And yeah, can you introduce yourself to so our listeners? I'm Alice Gab, and I, uh, I, I say I'm a lettering designer, but I'm from an illustration background. I got into kind of hand lettering and the modern calligraphy industry. And um, now, uh, kind of unrelated, but I think it kind of all fits under my um, my kind of general style. I make banners and banner maker um, based on kind of the history of protest, protest language, mm-hmm. and um, kind of secret societies in the UK. Wow! And, yeah, I want to know more about the secret <laughs> societies, but I think that's for another podcast yeah, yeah. episode, probably. <laughs> but so that is your full time job. You're a banner maker. Have you ever uh, been asked? Um, you know, are you going to get a real job? <laughs> I get asked. So I, th- I think maybe when I was younger, people had the audacity to ask that, but now people just say. Oh, um, is that your full time job? Like right. I get that all the time. Really? They're, they're, oh, full time! It's like always people ask that, but I'm just like yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and that's that's that. But yeah, I've been doing it for ten years. Um, people are just uh, amazed. I think like really curious because I think we're told we're told a certain way, a certain path, and I do think like I do often like. When I'm walking to the studio, just think, God, I'm so incredibly lucky. Wow. So, so lucky. Um, Well, I want to know a little bit more about that. And as in, you know, how did you, how did you have that, I don't know, build that confidence, I suppose, as well? Um, I don't know how much did you have, or did you have any talk about taxes or how to price your work or what to do after graduation? Um, mm. How did you how did you learn those things? Well, I would say I graduated in 2009 in the recession and expectations were relatively low anyway. Just getting to London was like the dream and anything else was a bonus. And I was at uni in Bath and kind of everybody left Um the west country and and went to london for work i did graphic design so i wasn't technically like i would never have called myself an artist like i was it was much more of a straightforward trade that kind of trade of skills Mm. graphic design it was much more commercial i'd always done illustration the illustration printmaking side of things so um 
every all the graphic designers went and got work immediately did free placements which is now considered really unethical mm. and then eventually got full-time work I didn't have that path at all because I wasn't graphic design based even though I'd done that degree I just knew that wasn't for me and I ended up doing I I had kind of a full-time week mm. in like one day a week in different studios in East London mm. of designer makers that I loved um, this was like the height of like craftivism then and making things and I yeah I just loved it and I loved being in East London where all the studios were and I eventually got a part-time job I had had a stall at Broadway Market mm. so I had this kind of launch pad um, every Saturday of that I was there for seven years and on the side of that on top of all of this I had two days a week in a school working as a, a matron it's uh, like a, a looking after looking after the children and okay. so like school nurse yeah um so it was a lot of work it, uh and it went and i just say my whole kind of um when i look back everything was just really really gradual and mm. slow and i know that everybody's um everybody's journey I guess will be completely different and now I think with Instagram like we didn't have Instagram <laughs> yeah so how many years ago <laughs> so many years ago like uh Broadway Market was my kind of your Instagram, Instagram. <laughs> um and uh yeah it was just a totally totally different time um but eventually, I know now we kind of want everything really quickly, and I don't know. I get that feeling that people have, people can compare so much more easily. Mm. I'm just living in kind of ignorant bliss, doing my own thing, mm. um, and uh, then yeah, eventually it built and built and built. And about five or six years ago, I just went completely full time, which was really exciting. Was that like from one day to the next or was there something like I just have to make this work or I just don't want to do those kind of jobs anymore? It was a real mix of like I, I dropped a day here, a day there with all sorts of things. Uh, I eventually dropped the market um, and it was a com culmination of like dropping everything I could because I had more and more work, which is great mm. for my um, calligraphy and illustration. And then working my politics you know all the time I, I left uni at 23 by the time I'm I think I was like 29 I didn't want to be working in a school anymore like it, the the values there were just completely the opposite to mine I was finding it harder and harder to um, stay quiet and um that that gave me a really good push like I was not comfortable there so mm. it was like I, I had to work out a way to leave and kind of got all my ducks in a row to to go completely full-time amazing yeah I mean yeah I've been following you on Instagram for a while <laughs> um I mean actually I met you in real life before <laughs> I met you on Instagram um but I think something that has been very refreshing on your feed has been this quite what it what seems to me at least quite like an honest approach to talking about money paying taxes yes 
conversations that we don't hear often in yes, the creative industry. I forgot to say that actually I went off on a tangent but when I left uni I went to do a course um, called the it was at this the, the, uh, the oh my god I've forgotten the name now the Illust- Illustrate Association of Illustrators oh, yeah. that's it I did a, an article for them very recently actually or wrote an article about them actually for an illustration magazine yeah they're they're still going and I think they're still really an incredible resource for anyone doing like more classical illustration which I don't do um but at the time that was like the next thing um that I thought would help me I did loads of work experience at uni which again like unpaid is shouldn't be okay now but I had like immense privilege with friends living kind of near London I could stay at theirs and then when I came out I went to do the Association of Illustrators business course, mm. which now, I mean, within so much has changed that now, it, I mean, within a few years, it was completely irrelevant. But it taught me what a tax return was, right. um, how to put an invoice together. Yeah. I mean, I had no experience of like my own business before mm. that point. So I think a lot of it did not hit like correctly until like years later yeah but I had that kind of rough little base it was like a, a every an evening course for a few weeks mm. um but I mean it's disastrous that we don't talk about it it's at uni crazy. it's absolutely crazy and, and also the kind of money that we're paying for and then what is the return of course the skills and etc but then there should be some sort of groundwork at least yeah and I had this I mean I had a part-time job where I was work. I think I was... Te- we, we also like, are allergic to actually talking about figures. I mm. had a part-time job and I think I was earning about 17 grand a year. Mm. So that was like my safety net. And then everything on top of that, I mean, I don't think I was making money at the market mm. for many, many years. And I couldn't, ta- I couldn't talk about it. I couldn't mm. look at my bank statements there was such like low level shame there and Mm. I just think that's that is not going to work with creativity because Mm. I think we've talked about the struggling artist thing before and that works for some people but they're exceptional to be able to be creative under such stresses pressure worry I think that those people are exceptional and everybody else can't do it Right. And so I think uh, eventually when I got my, uh, I don't know what the turning point was, um, but when I was able to earn a bit more money as my business built and built, I just wanted to make sure that everyone else learnt what I'd learnt. I mean, it's not, I still think I'm probably not doing it completely right, but it's better that we talk about it. Yeah, and it's so interesting what you just said that we're celebrating that tip of the iceberg. I mean, not necessarily celebrating, but kind of romanticizing this notion of the suffering artist, that somehow that is, I don't know, better or more serious, or I don't know, that it it kind of grows from this place of pain and lack. (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, I don't want to, I feel like I I call myself an artist now, but I also don't want to speak on behalf of other artists because... I def I was like from that commercial background that I guess is a bit different, but yeah, it's that's a good notion thing. as well. I mean, I myself I call myself an artist, and it was like it was like a turning point for me when I graduated as 
um, as a master of the arts in visual culture. And then I felt like only then, though I had been, you know, studying art in different ways and forms yeah. since I was fucking four. Yeah. My, my language, but like, <laughs> you know, my parents enrolled me to an art school, like for young people and children. So at the age of four and throughout my life, you know, different art schools and, you know, graduated as a painter as well, whilst I did high school, whatever. And then only then I felt like, okay, now I have the qualification then, but I don't think it actually made any difference in a way, though I've always, I've studied arts, but I've, I've been writing and doing journalism, but at the same time, for me, it goes all under the same big umbrella term of being an artist, because yeah. it's all creative work. Yeah, and I, I don't think... know all the stuff, I'm the source of it. <laughs> I, I think that's how I changed as well, because actually all the titles were like illustrator, yeah. graphic designer, lettering designer, banner maker, all of that was actually too much to describe. So it's now a lot easier to just say artist. And maybe that's why we're talking about like how difficult it is sometimes to say what we do, but maybe that's the reason because I feel like all these boxes are still quite tight and they're kind of put onto us. But of course, we're so much more than just one yeah. title. Yeah. A mentor of mine once told me, this is years ago, when I was struggling to say, well, what should I write in this uh, grant application? Should it be an artist, researcher, writer? And it's just, just use artist for everything. And yeah. that is like, you you know, that is uh, like own it. I know yeah. that some people yeah. may feel like it can be a condescending term in a way, but I, I think, well, there is a room for all of us in there. A hundred percent. And I think sometimes when we get really stuck into like, if you want to be really specific, mm. that's fine. Like at one point I would say, I'm a stationary designer. It's absolutely fine, but mm. nobody knows what that is. Yeah. So you just end up having those difficult conversations explaining yourself. So yeah. it doesn't really help. I don't know. <laughs> True. Yeah. Um, going back to those Instagram posts, um, why do you think, why, why don't we talk about money? Oh my God. I think... I, I really have been giving this some thought this week mm. and I I think number one, I want to say it's because like it's vulgar, but I actually I don't think that we're that concerned about that anymore. I think that has that's not the number one reason. I think as artists, I just don't think it's very sexy to talk about money. Right. I think well, I don't know. Am mm. I I don't know whether that's true or not, but I I think that we're so trying not to think about that just trying to funnel our own natural process and instincts mm. I wonder whether we don't want I don't know that's infiltrating that but I I think a lot of the time we just desperately try and avoid it but it's everything it's like mm. if you're not earning enough money like what if I don't charge enough for, say, one of my banners, why am I making it? Like, I'm right. just working for free. Or yeah, it's... you have to sustain yourself. As... Exactly. And you're not helping the rest of your community as well, your industry. I've mass- I think we all have a responsibility to that as well. Um, but, yeah, I don't know why we still don't talk about it, because I get why we didn't used to, mm. but now I don't understand. Even when I've talked about it quite a lot, mm. I still don't see people around me talking about it that much, yeah. which I find strange. I have not no particular judgment on it, but yeah. it's unusual. Yeah, and I caught myself when I had the idea to also start the podcast, I immediately caught myself thinking, well, what will others think of me? Like, I would probably hate it by my peers course that's not like i mean and it's also okay if not everyone agrees that yeah. that that 
I think that it's about time that we have these honest and normal conversations yeah. around one aspect that is a huge aspect of our lives. I like the banner that you, I can't remember, was it for a wedding that you made that said all that we need is money and love? Love uh, and money, probably that way around. <laughs> that was for a wedding, a campaign for the wedding industry. Um, yeah, all we need is love and money, but it is under capitalism the central thing that we all that we all need and I really really don't want I want choice and autonomy with who I work for and I have to have a little sustainable like pool of income to make those choices possible so that's like the ultimate goal for me is to have that I mean that has diminished during covid and I wonder. I will have to now work to see how that see how that evens out, or what happens in the next few years. But that was always what I wanted to just have choice and freedom for who I worked for. So, I think, isn't this? I would say, well, okay, I can just only speak for myself. But what I've also heard from so many others, I mean, the reason why we are freelancers, the reason why we are artists entrepreneurs um is that we seek freedom and often then being financially compensated allows us then to have freedom to have more time to Which spend the, with our loved ones, yeah, loved ones yeah. or, or contribute to courses that are very dear to, our, yeah. to us and buy organic eggs yes <laughs> this is the thing there's an amazing poster um illustration that says Desperate workers make for distracted. Oh, I need to. I need to find that. Mm. Um, when we are all operating under that uh, scarcity mindset, you just don't have any space for anything else. And I, it's a massive privilege to be able to do what I do. And I talk about what role privilege pa- plays a lot on my Instagram as well because I think that's really important to not to understand that we're not all on the same we haven't all had the same experiences in the past but it is so um I think once we get to a point where we're not uh where our rent is paid where all of those things to then work out okay I have kind of safety now what how can I I don't know, it sounds maybe trite, but like, okay, how can, how's my community doing? Like, right. how like can I, of needs. yeah, yeah, not just continue, 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 kind of t- take, 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 take. And I think this plays into my total discomfort with girl boss feminism yeah keep taking 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 mm. constantly aiming for the next thing next thing mm. next thing and never kind of looking around you and making sure that everyone's okay right okay so i have two questions for you maybe i can start with uh, <laughs> <laughs> the last thing that you said which which was this um idea and this very kind of um far and widely um how would I say it? Anyway, this idea of the boss girl culture um, that is very famous on Instagram. And I mean, probably, I don't know how many tags there are on that hashtag, but probably quite many, I'd imagine. So, yeah, what is your problem with that? If you can unpack it a little bit more. I think it's just that um, I 
want everyone to succeed obviously and do what they want to do but that specific form of feminism is just saying great like the uh, the the CEO of Bumble I think recently was the first woman to become a billionaire and everyone was celebrating that in the that. UK in the or... U- oh I'm not potentially yeah. and um everyone celebrating that I just think can is it possible to have ethics at that level is it possible to have ethics and is it possible to be a billionaire without exploitation I have not been proven that that's not true yet I'm so glad that you said that because that is something that has um that I've realized that I have when kind of um going through my own money blocks and seeing you know of course reading and understanding wealth and capitalism and knowing obviously (laughs) that capitalism does not work and is bad for us you know both for the people and the planet and then where is there like a point that something is enough and how can obviously wealth be more evenly distributed but Mm. at the same time when I think that there would be money going to the pockets of women like you (laughs) you know good-hearted people who are consciously driven I think it would be this world would be like so much better for everyone if that was the case but yeah how I don't have any answer so I guess yeah I don't either but I have had loads of people along the way say yeah we need people we need people like you to make money loads of money and wouldn't the world be a different place? And I want to be like, yeah, brilliant. Like, that would be great. But also, I'm like, would it? Because would I just end up being as corrupted as everybody else? Probably. But why would you be? Because I think money, that to that extent of money, I, like, the whole trickle down, uh, um, everybody said, oh, let's make these billionaires. It will trickle down into every aspect of society and it, it didn't like that has been disproven I don't know I don't have any answers either but I'm I do think it should be interrogated as artists though because we spend so much time having no money like for 10 years I would say I had a very very modest income now the last four or five years I probably if we're going to be specific and and talk about money probably I took home maybe four, thirty-five, forty thousand pounds a year, which to take home I was so proud of, mm. but I never thought I could earn that much mm. um, just doing my own thing, like after tax, take that home, and which is yeah, which That's is great, so but it also um, what's enough, like, right. and I. To somebody else, maybe that's not very much money. To another person, that is ridiculous amounts of money. Especially to have the freedom that I have in my work life. Like, I feel just that that's an incredible, that's an incredible thing for me. But where was that? Well, what were we talking about? I can't remember anymore, but that was so (laughs) interesting. And so, and thanks for sharing that. And I think, you know, again, I just, as with everything, I feel that, you know, when we can say, hey, I hear you, me too, I don't know. I just feel immediately, I don't know, more grounded and connected and feeling like 
why don't we have these conversations honestly yeah even and even saying that I'm out I'm like I can feel my body seizing up being like should I talk about it I mean and there's been there's been plenty of years where Mm. I haven't even ended up paying tax because I have had such low income and so and now who knows what will happen in the next five years because of um covid and recession and things but I just think it's so important to talk about yeah it is and also I mean I'm just thinking about the enough conversation as well but I um I think we can also we have the right to live the kind of lives that we want to and I mean that you come across as a person who really is a non-judgmental for other people's life choices of course you have great integrity as well with the things that you do and believe in but um this kind of you know whoever you know if someone wants to live outside the city and have a house and have kids you know fine for that maybe it's not necessarily for me or you know whatever that looks like you know whatever that looks like that's also something that I've been allowing myself to dream a little bit more and it's Mm. kind of like there's almost like this kind of filter that I have to pass this dreams by that is like yeah but can you and isn't that isn't that greedy for you to want that I'm like is it though you know I and and that that's another thing that I feel sadness about I guess in that my journey has never been um clouded by the want or to have children or and I I really feel the weight of that I feel for other people that have that because that is such a normal, natural thing to want. And for women, I just think that that would have, for me, that would have clouded some of my decisions. Mm. And I, it's just so unfair. (laughs) It's so unfair. But I would have had to have made money quicker, definitely. I don't know. I'm 34 now, nearly 35. And, (laughs) and... I don't have a pension. I still have a student loan. Uh, I don't own a house. And I'm not saying that anyone has to have done that by this point, but I I wonder whether I would have... I'm sure it would have been a natural thing to worry about that um, beforehand. I worry whether... I, I wonder whether I would have been as kind of calm and steady with my career trajectory, having having... I've just been allowed to have that freedom because I don't have to worry about that so yeah I I think that's another really unfair unfair thing yeah um you mentioned about activism I know that you are a passionate environmentalist and human rights activist as well how do you first of all how do you have time to do everything does it kind of integrate with everything that you naturally it does so for so many years I did that I did my calligraphy and it was um that's what really helped um, kind of steady my business and my income is calligraphy because there's, it has a very set value. It's so different to illustration and other creative work where the fee is kind of made up. Like the fee for illustration is really kind of, uh, it's a fascinating thing, but um, it's not kind of set in stone. As calligraphy, you're literally paid per word. It's oh, very really? straightforward oh, yeah amazing. and for my personal brain I'm like yeah I understand that I, I so mm. um that really steadied me mm. and then oh I've gone off on a complete tangent again totally fine 
what were we talking about? Activism. And oh, war. yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, and that calligraphy, but that kind of pushed me into the world of weddings, which mm. is uh, a real privilege, but also not necessarily where my particular interests mm. lie. Um, and when my personal life kind of clashes with my art my my work my heart mm. um i don't know that's what it, the i didn't like the friction in the same way where my my life working in the school and then coming back to london there was such friction there and then i went uh to america for two months mm. and i saw a banner that said universal toleration and it led me into this absolute rabbit hole of research about language uh, the universal toleration is a phrase by a very old British secret society uh, and even though I saw it in Oakland in California um, and so suddenly I had this my career shifted and I started making these banners and I still do everything now I still teach calligraphy I still teach banner making I do them kind of all under my name but I feel like that has just opened up a lot more avenues for me to just be my actual normal self and um and research and talk about things that I really want to talk about Mm -hmm. like I couldn't talk about my activism before in calligraphy really I think I did a little bit and I talked about money all the time still but it didn't have the same relevance as now when it's completely normal for me to talk about banner language and and placard language because that's that's what I I make banners based on that. So it's you, you yeah, know the connection to all of this. Yeah, things. yeah. Um, so that's been really good. Oof, I got chills. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, speaking of, I don't know, pivotal moments. Have there been some moments in your career that you've been really 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 proud of now looking back oh my god there's been so many I I because I work I work alone and in my kind of group of friends from uni I was the only person for a long time that just went off and did my own thing so I am uh I think sometimes it can seem like an unusual thing but I I literally am like uh, they're kind of cheerleading myself and I do have these moments where I'm like wow that's it. if you were 15 and, and you heard that you were gonna you just wouldn't believe it I wouldn't have believed it <laughs> even kind of cycling around today in this beautiful place when I bumped into you with a coffee on my bike I thought god like this I'm so so lucky to be able to come and do this but there have been lots of moments there were things like I did a banner for House of Hackney and I used to be obsessed that that seemed like such a milestone to to make a banner for them what's House of Hackney's it's it's um a very very maximalist homeware brand based in Hackney Mm. but they have a little stall in um Liberties Mm. and uh like my my mum's it's one of those things when your parents finally yeah. can connect with yeah. something you're like oh. <laughs> even though I yeah. shouldn't be looking for their approval but it's okay um, <laughs> I think that's also like whatever makes us feel good and there's been other moments I we're talking about money and I'm not I'm money driven to an extent obviously because I want my business to be sustainable and I want to have choice 
but there were so I'm not hugely like oh I've got to earn this and this and this and this all the time but there was a point I think it was 2019 where I I knew that I'd earn a thousand pounds in a day and I do remember thinking like so many people wouldn't believe that that's possible yeah doing what I do and I do remember thinking I mean I had to work really hard that day yeah. but yeah. I remember thinking wow that's amazing and I absolutely do not earn that most days mm. and day rate we don't talk about that very mm. much my normal day rate is about 300 pounds mm. um 300 to 400 pounds depending uh 500 if I'm teaching mm. but um there are all yeah there are these moments where I'm like god I'm very proud I wish this conversation would have happened 20 years ago when well 15 years ago Okay, it could be 10 years ago, <laughs> five even. Um, yeah, when I was studying in art school, um, I do find that, you know, everything that you've said is just like, uh, yeah, little gems of wisdom. <laughs> what are you working on at the moment? What's coming up next? Well, I've been really lucky in the way my business has grown. There have been lots of different aspects to it. So there's... I teach calligraphy around London. Uh, I run little workshops and I have kind of online calligraphy kits, beginners calligraphy kits. I have like these many things and then the banners and many, many things have just dropped off the face of the earth with COVID. Mm. But the banners are kind of, I think people are looking at their homes and thinking about investing in them. And also weddings have changed so much and people often by the banners as a backdrop for their ceremony mm. or their reception meal and then it lives in their home forevermore afterwards as a lovely heirloom but um, the banners have been going strong so I've been really busy in the studio making those and I'm about to teach my very first all-day workshop um, how to make those banners and talk about the historical context of them my my love of like the research behind them at Ray Stitch at the end of June. Oh, so that would be so lovely. Like an actual physical event as well. Well, I don't want to speak too soon, okay. but it should yeah. be. It yeah. sh in theory, yes, it should be. My my calligraphy classes. I'm in no rush to for to bring those back because I it's just dreadful trying mm. to teach when you have to be apart from people. And the whole reason I teach is to kind of bring people together to a really unusual spot in East London and just have a really calm like meditative two hours with mm. tea and cake and stuff and all of that is not possible under Covid so they will come back much later on in the year but I am so excited to get those back because that for me just connecting people with unusual spaces in East London mm. and I've made a whole range of maps and of walks of the areas because I found that over time people were just coming to the area and then going home again and I was like, no, like, stay and go and go to the bagel shop and go and see the canal or go and see Broadway Market. Like, there's so many special places and so many businesses that I don't even know will be open after COVID. So I'm really excited about sending people back to them if they're still here. Um, okay, I have a final question. Oh my god. 
years. If you'd see yourself in five years' time, <laughs> yes. Is, do you have like a five-year plan or something? Um, mm. Do you have? Yeah, have you got some sort of? I don't know. A mental vision board, things that you are oh, I've been, working towards. I've been really, really trying to do this because I think it is really important. But I think from hearing like my journey you can tell that I've never had much <laughs> much of a set plan it's just been a little stepping stones that has led me to this but I think I desperately desperately want more space uh, I love being in London I'm not entirely convinced that it will give me more space for the amount of money that I can justify so maybe maybe it won't be in London, but I want a bigger space. I want like a really magical studio that I can invite mm. people to and run classes. The dream. Yeah, and I haven't really got too far beyond that. I just think that would be so lovely. And most of all, I want to be able to invite people into the space because as well as making kind of fancy banners for your home, I just want to be able to get people in to actually make placards and banners for going to protests <laughs> and making work. <laughs> I do. Um, and also just just connecting people a little bit more to the idea of um, how powerful the arts are to do with protests and even letter writing as well, like communicating with our MPs, all, all these things, just connecting those things. Beautiful. Is there anything else you would like to share? <laughs> I that I thought so much. No. I mean, I wish we had the whole day to oh, do this. Oh, okay. So if I'm going to give anyone any advice that mm. is struggling with money please invest in um something like quickbooks or coconuts i think coconut is ridiculously cheap they are apps or computer programs that link up with your bank accounts and you can keep track of your business expenses and income and you can invoice from them too and it will change if you're not familiar with that it will give you much more control and yeah you can start making some some good choices amazing that's such a nice practical tip thanks for sharing that um thank you so much alice for thank you. i mean i love this thank you thank you thank, thank you. you and have a really lovely day if you like this episode please review it or share it with a friend